you've got a Bible with you this morning and you're going to be staying in the room with us, we're looking at Exodus chapter 2 today, Exodus chapter 2. We're going to take a little bit of a a break again from our uh, Sermon on the Mount series. We've been kind of walking through Matthew 5 through 7, looking at Jesus's sermon. Uh, We took a break last week so that we could do some baptisms uh, and handle that part. This morning, we're going to continue in that break as we talk about moms and as we honor the moms in the room. Next week, we will jump back in to uh, our Matthew series, the Sermon on the Mount. I've got uh, something exciting to share with you guys about that. We have uh, God has really blessed us with some men who are looking to grow in what their calling is. We've got several in the room that God has just kind of brought to us and said, "Here, here's my gift to the church at West Gant. Um, and uh, we are in process of developing a lot of those guys and walking through that calling with them. Uh, and one of those guys, you're going to get to hear from him next Sunday, Wes Myers, Uh, will be preaching uh, next Sunday. Um, I'll be here. I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I will be exhausted from a lock-in with our youth on Friday night and family game night on Saturday. Uh, So Wes, if I fall asleep in your sermon, it's not you, bud. I promise you're going to do a great job. But y'all come back next Sunday uh, and and enjoy as uh, Wes brings us back to the Sermon on the Mount passage and jumps into the next kind of section of that passage. Uh, But this morning, like I said, we're going to take a little bit of a detour, uh, and we're going to talk about motherhood a little bit this morning, and and, and specifically the idea of faithful mothers, what the faith of a mom can do. And so this morning, if you will, look with me at Exodus chapter 2, and we're going to read just a a chunk of this, uh, beginning in verse 1. It says this, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took uh, took as his wife a Levite woman. So from the same tribe. The the woman conceived and she bore a son. And when she saw that she was a fine child, she hid him for three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and, and dabbed it with bitumen and pitch, made it waterproof. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at, the, at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. And she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, go figure, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women uh, to to nurse the child for you? And and Pharaoh's daughter said no, uh, or sorry, said to her go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. Let's pray over the reading of God's word. God, we thank you for this story, Father, this beautiful depiction of a mother's faith, how you worked through it, not only to save the life of Moses, but really, Father, to save the entire nation. God, we thank you for the pages that we've uh, looked at this morning already, Father, for the verses that we've read and We ask, Father, that you would use it over the next few minutes, Father, to dive deep into our hearts and help us to examine, Father, where we need to to look more like you. 
If there's something in us, Father, that doesn't line up with these pages, I I pray, Father, that you would convict us of that and that you would challenge us to lay that at the altar this morning and leave it behind and never to pick it up again. Father, if there's anything in us that is lacking and missing some character trait of yours that we need to put on, Father, I pray this morning we would pick that up and we would apply it to our lives. Father, use your word in a real way in our lives. Father, we submit ourselves to it. We love you and we praise you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, so we are looking at moms this morning. How many of you in the room have a mom? Congratulations. If your hand isn't in the air, you were raised in a lab somewhere. All right. So we all have a mom somewhere. Now, those moms may be uh, still uh, very active in our lives. They may be in the room with you today. Uh, They may be somewhere distant. You may have moved away from family or uh, there is the possibility, obviously, that they have passed and gone on to be with Jesus. And uh, there are a lot of different opportunities for uh, the presence of mothers in our lives this morning. But we have all had the experience experience of a mother. This morning, what I want to talk about is the idea of the, what the faith of a mom can accomplish. And I, I want to really approach it this morning as super moms, okay? What I want to do, I'm, I'm a big Marvel fan. We've talked about that before. I love uh, action movies. I love the, the superhero aspect of things. And when I think about my wife and when I watch her with my children, one of the first things that comes to my mind is that woman has superpowers, Okay, here's how I know, okay? Yesterday was uh, a somewhat difficult day. I had to drive through Atlanta. Mm, y'all, Jesus, save me and forgive me. I had to drive through Atlanta yesterday. It was not fun. I did not enjoy it. Uh, But I had to drive about a six-hour round trip. I had Gavin and Zeke with me. We were uh, taking a young gentleman to a housing program and getting him plugged into that. And so we had to drive through Atlanta to the other side, drop him off, and then we immediately got right back in the van and drove back through Atlanta uh, right through lunchtime. And it wasn't the most fun day. But while I was having a day of driving, my wife had a different kind of day. Uh, She was with my daughter Rosie and her brother and my brother's Uh, her brother's kids uh, at a recital, a dance recital that one of his daughters was in. And so she got to experience that and see that, but it was a little tough. There's some family pieces there. And so some, just some difficulty. And then we got home from that and and we immediately packed our kids up and we decided we were going to go swim in a Creek. And so we loaded the kids up right back into the van that I had been in for six hours. And we drove to the mountains and we played in a Creek for about an hour. And then we drove back home. And by the time we got home last night, I can tell you that I was was just done. I was exhausted. I was like, I don't want to see another car. I don't want to sit in another vehicle. I got nothing left. I just want to go to bed. Like, let's get this done with. All right. I sat down in my nice recliner. I have a recliner that sits right at the perfect angle to the TV. And so I sat down in my recliner and I popped the the leg part up and I went to kick back and I'm already in nap mode and I'm just ready to go. And you know what my wife is doing? She's cleaning the kitchen. She was vacuuming floors. She was making sure kids got bathed. And y'all, I sat up out of that recliner and I went, daggum, my wife has superpowers. I don't know how she has energy left in the day to do any of those things. It's not that I don't wanna help her with it. I'm just exhausted. I'm exhausted for her. I'm like, stop, just go sit down a minute. Like, you can take a break. Like, that can wait. We gotta vacuum it again tomorrow, all right? Like, we got three kids. So, like, just leave the floor a minute. But she can't, it's, it's in her nature. She desires to serve and to do all these things and I don't know where that energy comes from because I don't have that. My wife is a super mom. 
she can do some pretty incredible things. Maybe you had a super mom, or maybe you desire to be a super mom this morning. Maybe you desire to have some just supernatural aspects to you. This morning, I wanna look at the life of Moses' mother, and I wanna see a little bit of some of these supernatural elements to this mom, some things that she did. But here's how I define the life of a super mom as we walk through this passage. I believe that super moms are moms who act in faith by trusting God's sovereignty. They act in faith by trusting God's sovereignty. Here's where that definition comes from a little bit. Obviously comes out of the story of Moses' mom. We'll talk about all that in a moment. But even outside of scripture, I look at the current generation and here's what I get asked a lot. How in the world could I ever bring a child into a world like this? Why would anyone wanna be a mom now? Who in the world in their right mind would wanna bring another child into what we are facing today as a culture in our world? And that question gets asked repeatedly and here's my response to that. They are super moms who are acting in faith, trusting God's sovereignty. That's how you can bring a child into this world and love and nurture them through their entire lives. You trust in God's sovereignty. So let's see how the life of Moses' mother played out in that. Moses is born into a family of a mom and a dad, both Levites. They come out of the same tribe, which is normal. They marry, they, they bring this child into the, into the world. But here's what you need to know about what's going on just prior to that. If we were to back up in about halfway through chapter one and begin to read uh, the words that were there, here's what you would find. Um, there's a new Pharaoh in town. The new Pharaoh doesn't know the life of Joseph who had saved not only the Hebrew people, but the Egyptian people as well. And so this new Pharaoh, he's kind of aggravated at the fact that this family, the Hebrew nation, is growing and multiplying and kind of taking over Egypt. And so he comes up with a plan. He goes to the Egyptian midwives, the people who were helping with the delivery of babies. And he goes to these midwives and he says, if there is a Hebrew boy that is born, I want you to kill it during delivery. I want you to abort this child. The Hebrew or the Egyptian midwives uh, know and understand what God is doing through these Hebrew people, and they have learned through the life of these Hebrew moms. They have learned what it looks like to serve this God. They have watched how God has protected and served them. And these Egyptian midwives, because of the testimony of the Hebrew mothers, refuse to do the Pharaoh's bidding, and they don't do it. They don't kill him. They leave these babies alive. Now, Pharaoh comes to the midwives and says, hey, what's going on? And the midwives kind of make up a story, and they kind of cover their tracks a little bit. And so the Pharaoh comes up with a bigger plan. He decides, hey, this family is threatening us so much that I refuse to just let this happen. And so he goes back, not to the midwives anymore, but he goes to the entire nation of Egypt and he says to all of the people of Egypt, hey, if you see a Hebrew male be born, your job is to take that child and throw it into the Nile River and let it die. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a little deeper and darker than our current situation today, is it not? And so I think a lot of people may have gone to Moses' mom and said, how could you ever think to raise a child in a generation like this? where this baby boy, you're risking the life of this child to be thrown into the Nile River and to be swallowed up by whatever crazy animal may be there, whether it's crocodiles, alligators, I can't ever keep them straight, but whichever one is there, 
How could you ever put the life of your child at risk in this moment? I can tell you why Moses' mom took this risk. She was a super mom who acted in faith and trusted the sovereignty of God. She birthed a little baby boy named Moses. She doesn't name him yet, but that'll come in the moment. She birthed this baby. And for three months, this mother hides her child. Now, I don't know how many of you have actually had a two-month-old baby in your house, but hiding a two-month-old baby is pretty much impossible, all right? Like, they're loud, okay? If you haven't had a child yet, it's coming. You're gonna get to experience that at some point, but babies are loud, They're meant to be that way, okay? Because they're gonna wake you up in the middle of the night and let you know, I'm hungry, all right? I need something in me, right? Like God has designed them and wired them. They can't communicate through words, and so God has given the ability to scream. That's what they do. They yell and they say, I need something from my parents. And so the fact that Moses' mom was able for three months to conceal this baby is pretty incredible. She did it because she was a super mom who trusted God and acted in faith and trusted his sovereignty. She hid Moses for three months. But then it comes time and she realizes, you know what, I I can no longer hide this child. I can no longer conceal his presence. So she takes this baby and she crafts a basket and she makes sure that this basket is waterproof. She provides everything that this child will need and she lays this child. I can't imagine the amount of faith that this would take, but she lays this child into this basket, closes it up, and she sends her daughter, the sister of Moses, to take him and they place this baby onto the edge of the river, right on the bank, right where the reeds are growing up, where he's a little bit hidden, but still visible. And then she goes away, but she leaves Moses' sister to sit and watch and see what happens. Acting in faith, trusting God's sovereignty. In this moment, as they're watching this basket and praying and just pleading with God, I can only imagine the torture that's in in this mom's heart. I I can tell you what was in my heart when we left Zeke in a NICU. I, I can tell you what it was like. We didn't have a wicker basket that we placed Zeke in, we had an enclosed uh, capsule, (laughs) for lack of a better term, an incubator that we had to leave Zeke in. And we didn't leave him there for hours, we left him there for months, 10 months. And I can tell you what was in my heart every time we walked into the NICU, saw him, spent some time with him, but then knew that we had to go home at some point, we couldn't stay there at the NICU. We had to leave him there. And I can tell you that every time we left the NICU, there was fear and there was, man, what's gonna happen and what phone call am I gonna get at two in the morning that something's gone wrong and I'm gonna have to fly across a mountain in Virginia to get over to UVA as quickly as I can to be at the bedside of my son. I can tell you the fear that was in my heart every single time we had to leave him. I can tell you about the nights when it was so built up in me that I couldn't stand it. I would work a full day at Chick-fil-A. I would get off around midnight, one o'clock in the morning and I would drive across the mountain, and I would just sit at his bedside. Wouldn't go home, wouldn't take a shower, wouldn't even go sleep, like just straight to UVA, sitting beside his bed until breakfast time the next morning because I was so anxious about leaving him in someone else's care without knowing what was gonna happen to him. I understand the heart of this mother. I may not be a mom, but I know what it's like to leave your child in a risky situation and not have any security in the outcome. Moses' mom lays this basket at the reeds and she walks away not knowing 
what's going to happen to this child. There are several potential outcomes that I'm sure were playing through her mind. Well, he could get eaten. (laughs) All right, the Nile River isn't exactly a safe place for a baby. He could get found, in which case, if he is found, and he's found by someone who is of Egyptian descent, they're probably going to take him out of the basket and toss him straight into the water. He could get found, and maybe, just maybe by the grace of God, they take compassion on him, or maybe they just don't even recognize that he's a Hebrew baby. Maybe they think he's an Egyptian baby, and they just adopt him. But all these scenarios and situations are running through their minds, and I think about moms, and I know from watching my wife and my mom that their minds never shut off. Y'all ever notice that? Their minds are just always going playing out scenarios, thinking about things, how's this gonna go and what could go wrong and what could go right and what are the thousand ways that this could just turn out and and man, their mind is just constantly racing. This mom of Moses, she lays this baby down and I can only imagine, yeah, she walked away but her mind and her heart are very much still right there at the bank of that river with Moses. Playing out in her heart and her mind, how's this gonna go? Am I really gonna trust God? Is my God really sovereign? And I think about the moms in the room, and that's a question that maybe we ask ourselves every single day. We, we have these children that we've brought into this world, and, and, and we send them off to school or to daycare or to all these different places. Or maybe you're an older mom, and you've had to watch them go off to college or start a new job or go, go into a career or join the military. And you've had these thoughts race through your mind, what's going to happen to my baby? Are you going to trust the sovereignty of God? Moses' mom has to act boldly in this moment. She has to take steps of faith to protect the life of her son. Even though those steps looked a little risky, even though those steps maybe to us as an outsider looking at it going, man, that's crazy. But to her, it was the only option. And she was gonna trust her God fully and completely in that moment. She places Moses in the river, she walks away. She leaves Moses' sister behind to watch and see what happens, and here's where the story just gets incredible. God's sovereignty on display. Just so happens that a lady comes walking up to the riverside, and she's got a group of other ladies with her, and just so happens that this is not a group of Hebrew ladies, but it's a group of Egyptian ladies, and it just so happens that this isn't just some random group of Egyptian ladies, but this is the Pharaoh's daughter. And it just so happens that they didn't walk down the river or up the river some ways, but they happened to just so happen walk past right where Moses was sitting in the river. And it just so happens that while they were walking alongside of that river, they looked down and they noticed that basket. And it just so happens that Pharaoh's daughter doesn't decide to go, hey, what a pretty basket, but it's probably nasty because it's been sitting out in this river. And so maybe we should just leave the trash in the river. It just so happens that instead she walked over and she investigates this basket. And it just so happens that she opens the basket and she looks inside and she finds a baby who is crying in need of assistance. And it just so happens that Pharaoh's daughter recognizes that this is not an Egyptian baby, but it is a Hebrew baby. And it just so happens that instead of tossing this child into the river, which was the command of her own father. Instead, she has compassion. And it just so happens that while she is picking this child up and displaying compassion on the life of this baby, 
that Moses' sister just so happens to still be standing there. And it just so happens. Pharaoh's daughter sees her and says, hey, uh, I need your help. We need somebody to nurse this child. None of us have children. We're not of nursing capability. Will you go find a Hebrew lady who would be willing to nurse this child? And it just so happens that Moses' sister knows just the lady for the job. Moses' own mother. She runs and she gets her mom. Her mom comes back and I can only imagine what is running through Moses' mom's head right now. My God is sovereign. Because it wasn't a just so happens moment. It was a God did moment. God took care of Moses in that moment. God stepped in and ensured that that baby was placed in just the right position. God led the daughter of Pharaoh to the banks of that river. God drew her attention to that basket. God made her investigate. God led her to a place of compassion for this child. God allowed her to be in a place where Moses' sister just happened to still be there. God gave her the notion to say, hey, would you help me find a mother to nurse this baby? And God provided the opportunity opportunity for Moses's mom to come right back to her baby and to begin to give life to this child again. That's not a just so happens kind of thing. That's a God did kind of thing. Maybe you as a mom or maybe you as a dad are struggling this morning with what am I going to do with these kids and, and man, what kind of world am I raising them in and what's going to happen when this happens or that happens? Listen, God is sovereign and it's not a just so happens thing for you. It's a God will thing for you. God will provide for your children. God will care for them in the darkest of days. God will provide for them when the alligators and the crocodiles are swarming. God will protect them. God will show up in your defense. We sang a song just a little bit ago about uh, the, the Exodus story and God leading us out of Egypt. And we said, God fights for me. Yes, he does. And God fights for your children. The heart of a mother is to protect and to provide and to love and to nourish, to raise, to develop. And God says, I will give you everything you need to make that happen. Moses' mom has the opportunity to raise Moses, not to full growth, but long enough to get him through the nursing phase to where he was weaned and able to eat on his own and kind of do his own thing. And Eventually, Moses' mom had to turn him back over to Pharaoh's daughter, and she couldn't come right out and say, hey, that's my baby. <laughs> that would have ruined everything that had happened in that moment. So Moses' mom takes another bold step of faith. I've watched God protect my child in that river. I've watched God give me another opportunity to be with my son. I watched God protect my family and provide for us, and so I'm gonna trust him again. And she hands this now toddler of a child over to Pharaoh's daughter, and she walks away. Trusting that the same God who was sovereign in the Nile River was the same God who would be sovereign over Moses' life the rest of his days. If we were to track through the rest of Moses' story, through the book of Exodus and even into the opening chapter of Joshua, 
we would read some pretty incredible things that God chose to do through this Moses character. God would raise him up in the Pharaoh's household, but Moses would unfortunately make the mistake of, of killing a man and having to flee. And then as he is fleeing, he gets married and he becomes a, a father himself. And uh, he experiences this call at a burning bush where God says, hey, Moses, I want you to go set my people free. And what's beautiful about this story to me is that it's not just God's sovereignty in the moment. It's not just God's sovereignty over this circumstance that we find ourselves in, although it was God's sovereignty there. God had full control over what Moses' mother was facing in that moment. But God also had the big picture in mind. He had the big picture that the nation of Israel, the Hebrew people, were gonna be enslaved and imprisoned until Moses was old enough to take on the mission that God was calling him to do. And he prepared Moses the whole way through, even without the ability to be with his mom. He surrounded Moses with other people like a father-in-law named Jethro, who ultimately gave him some great advice later on in life. But he surrounded Moses with some other people, and Moses grew up, and he grew into a man who eventually would return to the nation of Egypt, and he would set not just himself free from the bondage of death as a baby, but the entire nation of Israel free. He would make a movement that would uh, create freedom for literally, some scholars believe, between one to two million people would walk out of Egypt across dry land into the, into the, one, into the wilderness. And I wonder, do we have that same kind of super mom faith that would look not just at the circumstances that we're facing today and say, yeah, I trust God in this moment, but do we have enough faith in God to say, God, I know that you see the whole picture. I know that you see the whole thing, God, and, and you've got big plans for my kids and you're gonna do incredible things through them and they may not do a miracle like parting the Red Sea and walking across on dry land, but God has a plan for their lives. The question is, will we trust God in that and be the super moms that God is asking us to be? Will we trust his sovereignty and believe that even though our children may be called into some crazy things, Moses could have been struck dead just for stepping foot in Pharaoh's presence? God called him to some pretty crazy things. Moses could have held his staff out over the Red Sea and God could have just said, ah, never mind. And Moses and the entire nation of Israel would have been pinned between the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army, and they would have been exterminated. A lot of different things could have happened to Moses and the people of Israel. But will we trust that God's gonna show up in every one of those circumstances? Will we be a mother, and will we be a family? Will we be, will we be, will we be parents who trust in the sovereignty of God to show up and to provide for, not just for our kids, but for generations to come, Moses would ultimately do something that would set the nation of Israel free, and literally for generations after that, they would find themselves in a place where there were clusters of grapes bigger than your head and a land that flowed with milk and honey, and they would find themselves at peace in a land that was filled with giants. All because a mother had a little bit of faith. A mother laid her child down in a river. So the question becomes, will we be those types of parents? Will we be those moms? There's one other piece that I just wanna to touch on. This is bonus, by the way. 
But there are twice, two times in the story of Moses that we find um, something that should have killed Moses was actually the thing that redeemed Moses. And not just Moses, but the entire nation of Israel. This happens uh, in the the Nile River scene that we just read. Moses uh, is laid into the Nile River. Where were the babies supposed to be thrown? The Nile River. Moses' mom chose the very thing that was supposed to kill him to be his salvation. This happens again a little bit later. We find uh, Moses in the wilderness and they get um, uh, literally infested with a, a set of vipers, snakes that are coming through and biting everybody. And God's command to Moses is to take one of these vipers and to put him up on a staff and to hold it up so that everyone can see it. He crafts this, this statue, essentially, of a viper, and he holds it up in the desert, in the wilderness, and anyone who's been bitten by one of these snakes, all they have to do is look up to the thing that bit them, and they are saved. Their life is restored. Twice in the story of Moses, we see this idea that God used the very thing that should have exterminated him to redeem him. This world sure does seem like it's out to get us, doesn't it? This world sure does seem like it's a terrible place to raise some kids. But if we will have faith, if we will act boldly in the face of unknowns, if we will trust God's sovereignty, man, what can God do with it? He'll take the very thing that is set against us and he'll use it for his good. Will you trust? Will you seek him? Will you follow him? I don't believe that Moses' mom had any clue the impact that she was making. But I do know that generations would be changed because of this mother's actions. An entire nation would be saved. They would ultimately find the promised land. They would establish themselves. They would build the temple. They would acquire a couple of kings, some good, some bad. They would have seasons of faithfulness to God. They would have seasons of drought where they would flee from God and rebel from him. But ultimately, through the actions of Moses, the nation of Israel was saved, and a little while later in this book that we love so much, out of this Hebrew nation that was saved by a mother's faith, another little baby boy is born. But he's not placed in a basket. He's placed in a manger. And that little baby gets raised up on something too, a symbol of death and a symbol of the thing that was killing us, destruction and a symbol of sin and darkness. And if we will look to that thing, if we will look to the cross, just like the people of Israel were saved when Moses raised the viper in the wilderness, just like Moses was saved when his mother looked to the thing of destruction and placed her baby into it, if we will look to the thing that is destroying us, the cross, a symbol of shame and sin, we will find redemption. We will find salvation. This little baby was born, placed in a manger with a cross always in mind, but that little baby didn't stay on that cross. He came down and three days later, he rose from the dead and he provided us with the salvation that we experience today. The faith of a mother can change the world. Will you let it? Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you so much for our moms. 
We thank you for all that they've done for us, God, in our lives. We thank you that they uh, have loved us so well and have led us to this place in life. And God, I pray your blessings on those of them that are in the room this morning. But God, as I look at the story of the life of Moses' mother and all that she did to care for her child and to trust in your sovereignty, Father, I am challenged to ask the question of myself, and of all those around me who are leading the next generation, are we trusting your sovereignty? God, I pray that in the room this morning you would raise up a bunch of super moms, a bunch of moms, Father, who won't just live just normal, everyday lives, that, that won't just care about the cooking and the cleaning, won't just have a career and do amazing things there, won't just uh, love their husbands well, and uh, won't just you know, take care of whatever they need to take care of in life, but Father, that they will go beyond the mundane pieces of life, that they will go beyond the ordinary things that everyone else is doing, Father, and that they would see that you are calling us to be a people who act in faith and trust your sovereignty, that in the worst moments of life, in the darkest days, Father, you are sovereign and you will care for us, and if, if we will act in faith, if we will walk in boldness, God, you will show up in some big ways, Father, and you will change the world through a group of super moms. You will act, Father, on our behalf. You will fight the battle for us, and it won't be a, well, it just so happened to work out that way. It'll be a God did it. Father, I pray for all the moms in the room this morning. I pray your blessings on them and their families. God, I don't know what all they're facing today. They may, Father, be grieving a mother that they've lost along the journey. God, they may be finding joy this morning. They may be sitting on a pew with, with all of their family today. God, they may be sitting right next to those kids that they've helped raise. God, wherever they find themselves this morning, I pray that you would bless them and keep them. That you would encourage their hearts this morning that even when the world seems dark, you are still good. And you hold them in your righteous right hand and there is nothing that can rip them from your presence. God, I pray that today would be a day where they feel honored and loved and cherished. That they would know your presence. They would feel your love. We'll praise you and we'll glorify you for all that you do in, in our lives, Father, as we trust your sovereignty and walk through each day, faithfully acting on the things that you call us to do. We love you and we praise you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.